Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. Or get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amiibos. Then I hit the next wow. three fairways. I, I hear a lot of lot of three putts in there. Oh, my putt was awful. My putt was awful. So but that's neither here or there. We are back another <laughs> week of the Me Bros podcast. Hopefully, gonna <laughs> run that. You guys go get, got to go straight into Jared's round today. Yep. Um, but yeah, we're back another week. Shout out to all the listeners that are tuning in. Uh, I'm your host Damon, uh, the older brother of these two uh, fine young gentlemen, Jared Man eighty five and JDZ. How we feeling, fellas? I'm feeling like I'm the smart guy right now because. Uh, I haven't heard anybody call somebody a fine young gentleman since the uh, the intro to that show. Anyway, super fine young gentleman. Anyway, I am back. If nobody told you, your older brother told you. you, know, you <laughs> well, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling great. You know, today my team just had great boost. Uh, Clemson sign or gets a commitment from the number one overall football player. UNC gets a commitment and basketball for the number two overall basketball player, Cole Anthony, son of Greg Anthony of the UNLV running Rebels. And on top of all that, I'm about to watch the Celtics lose to the Bucks and the Golden State Warriors lose to the Rockets. I'm excited. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what we like to call nonsense in the business. Jeremy, how you uh, feeling? But yeah, man. man you good? I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling great. You know, it's 85 degrees now. I haven't had rain uh, every day like it's been the whole winter. So, I mean, I'm, I'm you know what? My yard's starting to dry out. I mean, golf course is starting to not be the cart path only. Yeah, I'm feeling That's good, man. Good times. Good times for oh, sure. Yeah. But, yeah, we got a lot to get into today, fellas. A lot of NFL talk. The draft's coming up this week. Obviously, playoffs going on right now. Uh, but let's start uh, with the NFL, guys. NFL draft is uh, this week. Um Let's see. Let's let's just get right into it. Who's going to be the biggest bust that people are hype up on? Um, and who you get, who 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 do you think is going to be a big steal during the draft? Um, let's start with Jeremy. Okay. So, as far as the big steals in the draft, I actually think it's going to be um, Ed Oliver from Houston. I think if you look at his pro day stats. I mean, the kid might be Aaron Donald 2.0. I think he's going to be very, very explosive. He's got crazy quickness. He had a faster shuttle time than Julio Jones or Antonio. No, I think Antonio Brown barely beat him, but it was Julio Jones and Odell. He had a a faster shuttle time then. And he's 6'2", 295 pounds. I mean, the guy's going to be a monster in the league. I think for the defensive players in this draft, this is a very, very deep draft. I mean, you can literally – go through pick by pick and pick nothing but defensive players and be good to go. So I am going to go to the offensive side of the ball to where I think you're going to have some mistakes. Drew Locke. <laughs> Do I think he could be a solid NFL no. player? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think he could be a, a solid backup in the league. I don't think he's a starter. Um, and for some reason, because he played with David Cutcliffe and because Eli Manning and Peyton Manning played with David Cutcliffe, as if Eli Manning is any justification to take somebody early in the draft, people are really hype on him. I'm starting to get annoyed at the fact that everybody seems to be overlooking Dwayne Haskins, who I think is probably going to be the best quarterback oh, in this draft. Yeah. I think Kyler Murray can be a question. Yeah, you talking about Drew Locke or you talking yeah. about Daniel Jones? 
Daniel Jones, I'm sorry. Daniel Jones. Drew Locke's from, uh, from yeah. Missouri. Daniel Jones is who I'm thinking about. But I, even Drew Locke, too, I, I start to see hear a lot of hype on uh, on, on both of them. And I think uh, Daniel Jones is in particular who I, th- who I was thinking about. I'm glad you pointed it out. Um, I think he's going to be a good backup quarterback. I actually like Drew Locke a little bit better than Daniel Jones. But overall, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be the best quarterback in this draft. And the biggest buzz, if I had to go – Position by position in this draft, I don't think he's going to be a bust, but the most overrated player has to be um, – I can't even think of his name. What's the wide receiver from Ole Miss? D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf did not put up stellar numbers in college. Um, he had combine numbers that were off the charts outside of his shuttle time. And I think people are starting to go, oh, man, this guy's the internet sensation. He ran really fast. He's really big. He's really strong. Yeah, but what does the production look like? I'm not really a fan of weight room statistics. I'd rather see it on the field. So um, I could be wrong on that. I thought the same thing with Julio Jones for a while because Julio Jones put up mediocre stats in college as well, um, although he was playing on Alabama who runs the ball almost every play, especially back then. Um, so I could be proven wrong, but if you ask me right now who is the person who's projected in the top 15 to 20 picks who I think is going to have the least amount of success outside of the quarterbacks, I would say DK Metcalf. Okay, so All right. um, let, let me get into mine. So Drew Locke is definitely top of my list. That's why I wanted to make sure I differentiated because I like Daniel Jones at Duke. I think Daniel Jones is going to be a legit starting quarterback. He's mobile. He's big. He's got a nice arm. He's a smart quarterback. Drew Locke, he's a four-year starter at Missouri. He's got a lot of experience, over 40 starts. I'm going to tell you when I realized Drew Locke was never going to be a legit starting quarterback in the NFL. And I was so happy about it. I bet on Kentucky versus Missouri straight up. <laughs> and let me tell you, Kentucky was down 14 to three at the half. And I basically was thinking, this is good. This d- doesn't look good because Kentucky's offense is terrible. And I'm going to go Drew Locke's next. I'm going to go all of his possessions in the second half. Three and out. 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 You didn't get one first down the entire second half? And I'm supposed to believe you're a legit starting quarterback going in the top 10? I'm sorry. I don't believe Kentucky's defense was pretty good. <laughs> but I don't care if you're playing with Fort Mill High School's high school wide receivers. You gotta give me one 10-yard slant. You gotta be able to get me one comeback route. Like you literally went an entire half without a first down. And literally, it was one yard, three plays, one yard, three plays, eight yards, three plays, negative six yards, three plays, nine, three plays, negative two, three plays, seven, three plays, nine, three plays, eight. And then Kentucky scores a touchdown in the last play of the game, and that's how you lose when your defense only gave up 14 points. This is this is my thing. I'm not a fan of Missouri quarterbacks typically. Uh, we could throw Chase, Chase Daniels in there. Uh, we could throw in Blaine Gabbert. I mean, there's there's a there's a slew of them that you can just throw in, but that's not even the point. I I hate when people look at a guy who has all of the physical tools and they ignore all of the rest of the production aspects of it. It's the reason why Mitch Trubisky went over to Sean Watson. He had 14 starts in his career, or actually 13 starts in his career, and Deshaun had 45. And they dissected Deshaun and they looked at Mitch Trubisky and said, "Oh, he's got a beautiful throwing motion. He's athletic. And he has a lot of the tools, but." I don't believe in that kind that that kind of uh, analysis. 
But that's a bad example. Mr. Bisk is a good quarterback. Mr. Bisk is a pretty good quarterback. He's better than I even thought he was going to be, even though he's not that good in my opinion. But I'll move on. The other people I think are not going to be that good. Rashawn Gary. He was the number one overall high school player. I expected a lot more in college. Then he had this mysterious injury. Then he basically shut it down while still playing. Um, I, I'm, he could be good. He more or less, he. I think he may be good as a defensive tackle. They they keep trying to sell him as an edge rusher. I don't believe in him as an edge rusher. Um, and then I'm not completely sold on Dwayne Haskins. Um, I love the comp somebody said uh, of Drew Bledsoe, but my other comp would be Byron Leftwich. I think he's going to be. And if you're Dwayne Haskins, good for you because I'm you or Drew Locke. Because I'm the guy who said I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be a huge buzz. And so maybe I'm completely wrong on both of you. Maybe you guys have Hall of Fame careers and win MVPs your next season. But I don't believe in it. You throw a ton of screens. You look at it. There, there's a couple of things that concern me. Uh, Ohio State had one of the best receiving cores in football. They have two guys that are projected to go in the first two rounds of this draft. They had a great offensive line. So your weapons around you were significant. You had three guys that ran sub 4 340s. He threw a lot of screen passes, a lot of underneath routes, and I watched the Penn State game. You couldn't complete a ball downfield, and that Penn State defense wasn't very good. Um, and then the last thing, Urban Meyer, they were ta- he was talking this week. They said, is Dwayne Haskins ready to lead an NFL franchise? And Urban Meyer said, not yet, but he will be. I, if you're not ready, not yet, uh, I, I'm not ready to take you in the top ten. So uh, my three potential busts that I see uh, are going to be – uh, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, and Rashawn Gary. One last thing. If I'm going to tell you my sleeper, Jeremy, don't sleep on DK Metcalf. He had a lot of injuries. Plus, he's had like uh, his brother played in the NFL and his two, his two cousins did, so it's in the bloodline. So typically those players don't bust out. Uh, but the, the player that I see right now that I think is going to be a huge sleeper, Miles Sanders running back out of Penn State. He was overshadowed by Saquon Barkley. His, his combine measurements are similar. And he had a great season last year. He might be the first running back off the board. Likely he's going to be the second behind Josh Jacobs. I could see him going late first round, early second round. Uh, probably going to – he's not going to go to the Patriots, but going to a, a great situation with a team like, I don't know, the Rams gets a backup to uh, to Gurley with Gurley's kind of injury history going on right now. I think he could be a really nice sleeper pick. Awesome. Well, we yeah, – uh, go ahead, Jimmy. I, I, I'd like to say – one more player who I am hoping everybody sleeps on because I'm hoping he slips to us in the uh, in the second round. Who is that? Will Will Greer, who's going to be the biggest sleeper quarterback in this draft. Will Greer is going to be a franchise quarterback. Hopefully, he goes to the Saints. All right, that's on record, Jeremy. Will Greer, so he better not be a bust. <laughs> nope, the same won't be. Uh, he is yeah, from outside so, Charlotte. Uh, let's keep moving on. Let's stay in the NFL. Uh, the Chiefs uh, today. Signed uh, Frank Clark uh, to a five-year, $105 million deal. And obviously he has some uh, a checkered pass with domestic uh, violence issues. Um, it's just kind of weird coming from the, from, from the Chiefs of all, of all teams. Uh, let's start with Jeremy. What do you think about this whole uh, Frank Clark uh, deal that got done today? Well, I think it tells you a lot about what they think about D Ford. All they had to do is just pay D Ford. And they were willing to give up essentially an extra first rounder and a swap future picks just to swap D Ford and pay somebody else. I mean, that tells you a lot about what they thought about D Ford. I think they're still holding it against him that he lined up off sides and pretty much cost him a trip to the Super Bowl. Um, as far as the Chiefs taking Frank Clark, I'm not really that surprised. I mean, people say, oh man, you know, 
it's kind of weird for them to take him because of Kareem Hunt. But it was, they really got rid of Kareem Hunt because he lied to him and said, said nothing happened. They have no issue with domestic violence. They brought in Tyreek Hill, who drug his pregnant girlfriend, and I think he kicked her in the stomach while she was pregnant. Um, drug her down, I think, I think three flights of stairs by her hair. So, I mean, if you draft somebody who has a guilty plea of doing that in his in his record, um, I don't think there's a lot that, you know, is going to deter you from from getting another player. Frank Clark is a great football player, um, and I think he, though he has a checker pass, hopefully he's starting to clean that up. I haven't seen, you know, many issues as of late. Um, so hopefully he's getting his life together. But if he has any more issues, I mean, this guy should be out of the league as well. So um, as far as the Chiefs goes, they're making a lot of moves. I think they're trying to double down on the Mahomes uh, window. If I were the Chiefs, personally, I don't think I would take this route. I think I would spend my time going, hey, Patrick, you've got two years left on your contract. Why don't you just rip it up now and get you a new contract done so I can get it at a player team-friendly deal so I know over the next six years I'm going to have him at a manageable rate as opposed to trying to win the next two years. And then if you don't get it won in the next two years, you're essentially saying, hey, we're going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes $45 million a year for the next four or five years. So um, I think they should go. They should have gone a different route. I think you could get some value in the draft, especially this draft with all the defensive players that are out there. I think they could have really hit big without making the trade. But, hey, you got to do what you got to do in order to try to win. So, Jared, what do you I'm, think about this? I'm about to spaz, so give me a second. Because I said this when it happened. When they kicked Kareem Hunt off the team, I said, this is a terrible precedent to set. And I said, not because he shouldn't be kicked off the team. I said, because if you're going to do this, then you're putting the responsibility on yourself to where you're now going to be judged based on how you handle other situations. And I said at the time, when everybody was like, oh, yeah, good decision. I said, well, if you're going to do that, why is Tyreek Hill still on the team? And everybody said, oh, that was before he got drafted. Well, now you got another situation where Tyreek Hill allegedly beat his, uh, broke his three-year-old son's arm, apparently. So he's being investigated by the police in that situation, which is still falls under domestic violence. Are you kicking Tyreek Hill off the team? And then now you bring in Frank, Frank Clark, who reportedly, from, from all the reports, he got kicked off the team at Michigan for, for beating up his, his, his girlfriend, who he said at the time may be pregnant. I'm not sure if she was actually pregnant or not, but on a police report, he said he thinks she was pregnant. Um, and according to the, uh, the girl's brothers who were also there, he picked her up by the neck, choking her against the wall. I mean, literally you're, you're trading away D Ford who, who, from my knowledge, doesn't have any of these situations and you're trading a first rounder and a second rounder and giving up five years, 105 million. This is why you don't put yourself in the situation of being the moral character police, because when you do, I'm going to hold you to that standard. I'm going to hold you to the standard that you try to set when you say, oh, you know, we don't tolerate this. This is a zero tolerance league when it comes to domestic violence. Okay, I want zero tolerance if that's the way you're going to do it. Because at the end of the day, I'm not a I, – I, anybody that listens to this podcast, I bring up contradictions all the time. That's one of my biggest things that I do in life. Anything that contradicts itself, I'm going to point it out. And these contradictions don't make sense because of the fact of – I don't think it had anything, and Jeremy, I agree with you. I don't think it had to do with domestic violence with Kareem Hunt. I think it was the fact that the owners felt like, how dare you lie to me? I am whatever, the the the, the owner of the Chiefs, how dare you lie to me? I, I want to say they're the Hunt family too, uh, but how, how dare you lie to me? And at the end of the day, if that was the case, if you came out and said it was because he lied to us about it, 
I, I would have said, okay. But when you say, hey, we have zero tolerance for domestic violence and this, this incident is terrible, blah, 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 then you can't go out and start signing a whole lot of guys that have DV and their history, especially publicly when a guy gets kicked off a football team because of domestic violence, it, which happened in both cases. Tyreek Hill got kicked off of Oklahoma, uh, not Oklahoma State. Uh, I forgot what team he was on. Board. Actually, it was Oklahoma State. He got kicked off of Oklahoma State, and then Frank Clark got kicked off of Michigan. I think it's a terrible look. I think that team is uh, – I, I agree, Jeremy. I think they're they're doing some bad things as far as signings. I like signing Tyron Matthew, but they're, they're getting too many personalities, too many big signings on there. I think they're going to have too many personalities on that defense. Um, I think they're they're one of those teams that uh, – I mean, positive side, maybe they do like the Rams and they get a Dominican suit and a whole lot of people together. But on the negative side, they replaced a lot of players on defense and replaced them with a lot of uh, characters on defense. And I'm not saying they're just bad people, but just – Guys that talk a lot, guys that are are, are sometimes about themselves. Uh, I'd be interested to see how that defense performs this year. All right, Jared, I'm going to push back a little bit on your point about the contradiction between them. I can draw a distinction between, hey, this happened and when you're a member of this team, when you're an employee of the organization, and this is something that happened in the past. Um, I can also draw a distinction between, hey, you straight up lied to my face about something, and that's not something I'm willing to tolerate. I know some coaches that will say, like, for example, I remember Hugh Jackson uh, on Hard Knocks. He was having a conversation with um, – what's the Ricky wide receiver's name? Uh, Antonio Callaway. I can't even think of his name. Yeah, Antonio Callaway. And he told him, he said, you know, I'm willing to take you at your word. But if I find out you lied to me, it's over. I'm, you're done. And and there's some teams that have that, that, have that responsibility or have that um, – I guess, attitude about people lying. And, I mean, I, I can respect that. I just don't want to make sure we, we're we not putting a lifetime ban or a lifetime, I guess, stigma on somebody who could have, you know, possibly and hopefully had, had a change. I mean, Frank Clark's situation goes back to 2013. He was 20 years old. I think he's 26 now. Um, so hopefully he's gotten better. Hopefully he's had some help. Um, I haven't seen any more issues for, with him since then. So hopefully he's gotten better. I can distinguish between okay, maybe we're okay giving him another, giving him a chance or trading for him. He hasn't had any issues while he's been in the league. It goes back to his college days, as opposed to hey, your issue just happened a couple months ago while you're a member of this team and while you're an employee of this organization. So um, from that perspective, I see it a little different, but I can definitely see what you're but saying. That's uh, that's not my does. point. Though. What what I'm saying is, and I get what you're saying. My what I'm saying is this: I think if you're if you're an NFL team. You're in the entertainment business. And at the end of the day, I think whatever goes from a if, – if you're going to start making decisions unilaterally because of the fact of like – and you, you hide it behind those because of domestic violence, then you got to stand behind all of them. Like, and, and it's not because of the fact of – there's not – it'd be one thing if it was, you know uh, – Kareem Hunt is black, and then it was a white quarterback or something that happened, and they they were like, "No, we're not gonna like." It's not a racial component or any of that kind of thing. It's not. There's nothing behind it. My thought is just, if you make a stand on one side, you can't move off that stance, and, and that's just the way I feel. Like if you're gonna, if that's gonna be your personality, and that's the way you're gonna you're gonna try to run your organization and say, "Oh, it's because of zero tolerance," then you gotta be zero tolerance. And now, and, and even though you said it was it happened in college, and I get that with Frank, Frank Clark, but now Tyreek Hill. He's got this incident happen this summer or or, or, or this this offseason. So now are you are you kicking Tyreek Hill off the team? And and 
If he did, he should be out of the league and be in prison. Yeah, I agree. But Jared, just just to just to that just to that point though, they did this was part of their their statement. They said as a part of our internal discussion with Kareem, several members of our management team spoke to him directly. Kareem was not truthful in those discussions. The video released today confirms that fact. We are releasing Kareem immediately. So they did essentially state that it was because he he lied to them as well. They had, they had another statement though when, he, when he, they were talking about it, where they said that uh, they were they were talking about how they had a zero tolerance for domestic violence. Uh, okay, from that point, yeah, I get your point. Yeah, fellas, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, situation to to keep an eye on. Uh, I think the Chiefs going to have a great year. They look like they've reloaded as far as the culture. That's I guess it's going to be yet to be yet to be determined. But let's switch into some NBA. Uh, obviously, the playoffs are going on right now. Russell. Uh, Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder are getting blown out pretty much by the Blazers. Russell's having a terrible series. Uh, let's let's talk about Russell a little bit. Let's start with Jared. What's what's going on with your boy Jared? So, I think Russell Westbrook's been exposed, um, and I have some personal stake in this in the sense that when Russell Westbrook came in the, in the league, I watched him play in summer league, and I watched his first year, and I said he was going to be the best player out of that draft class, and that was a draft class with. Derek Rose and Michael Beasley and Kevin Love and, um, you know, a, a lot of really highly touted players. And um, I think right now he's being exposed for what he is right now, which is not a top 20 player in the league. Look, Russell Westbrook, as a guy who plays a lot of ball one-on-one at LA Fitness, that's not what you're doing right now. You're not playing Damian Lillard in LA Fitness in a game to 21. But in his mind, he's got to feel like he's doing that because literally every possession Dame Lillard scores, Russell Westbrook is going to shoot on the other end. And Flash, you can't shoot. You can't shoot threes. You can't keep going five for 20 and expect for your team to win games. And the same thing happened last year. People forget Ricky Rubio, uh, he had a triple-double, and Russell Westbrook says, I'm going to shut that edge down next game. And he did. Ricky Rubio had like, Five points the next game. But you know what you did? You full court guarded him the entire game until you got into foul trouble, and then your team lost by 20 because you won the individual battle, but you lost the war. Like, look, you're at this point in time, Russell Westbrook is Carmelo Anthony in the sense that the game has passed him by. The game has moved to a more free-flowing offense, more with shooters that can hit perimeter threes and can move the ball and, and play unselfishly. And like Melo, Melo, who's a great the, – the thing that always – I don't know, baffles me. If you're Jordan or you're Mello, and I'm not putting them in the same category, but Jordan never was a good three-point shooter. But Jordan, two feet in, inside the three-point line, never missed a mid-range jumper. And I, it always baffled me that those two feet just made him not be – like he goes from literally mid-range jumper, Jordan is – he probably is hitting 55%, 60% of his mid-range jumpers, and then goes straight to 31% of his, his three-pointers. But Mello, same way, Mello couldn't hit threes. And I don't get it because his, his game was so well-rounded besides that. But he, he he dribbled the ball too much, and he played too much iso ball. And that's what Russell does. Russell dribbles the ball too much. And he's his, I don't know if he went to the to the school of shooting for Markel Fultz. But all of a sudden, now he goes from where he was shooting in the mid-80s of free throws. Now this year he shot 64% free throws, and you're shooting 29% threes. And in the playoffs, you're shooting 10% threes, and you're going 5 for 20 on a consistent basis. You realize that since Kevin Durant left, since he left, Russell Westbrook in the playoffs is shooting 39% from the field and 29% from threes. I mean, you can't win a, a championship with that guy 
as not even the number one, as the number two, because even if he's your number two, he thinks he's the number one. And so, Jeremy, you've been saying it for months, for years. Russell Westbrook isn't a top 20 player. I think you were wrong beforehand. But the thing I always hate is Jeremy has a, t- a propensity to stay on a point as long as he possibly can. And then even if something changes, then Jeremy says, yeah, I was right the entire time. Like LeBron may not be the best player in the league right now, but Jeremy goes now because LeBron has a bad season, misses the playoffs. See, I told you he couldn't make it out of the West. I told you Stuff's been the best player in the league since 2015. Like Jeremy's going to always go all the way back to the red. But I was. But you're right. That you doesn't that make you, the time, you were right. You weren't right. right because LeBron was dominating all those matchups. And that's does. a different subject. But but now Jeremy's going to say, yes, I was right. Russell Westbrook hasn't been a top 20 player for the last three, four years. That's not the case. But the fact that now he can't shoot and the game's passed him. And guys like Dame Lillard is giving it to him. Shout out to Dame, man. Dame time. And one of the things I did love that Dame said, and then I'll pass it to you. Game three, Thunder won. And uh, at the end of the game, Thunder were up 12. Dame misses a free throw with like two minutes to go. And Dennis Schroeder's doing the Dame time thing, mocking him. And they asked Dame Lillard about it after the game. And Dame said, yeah, I saw it. I thought it was real cute because, I mean, I didn't see it in game one or two. And he waited till the game was basically decided before he, he started doing it. He he knew better than to do it when the game was, was close enough to be in reach. And then Dame came out there and, and gave him 15 points in the third quarter and, and put the series away. So, uh, look, man, Russell Westbrook, he's not that dude. And uh, I think it's – Time we stop considering him. Forget top ten uh, as a as a top twenty player in the league because uh, I think right now he's stat padding. Jared, I don't like the way you mischaracterized my Russell Westbrook or just any of my points in general. What happens is I say something that at the time is generally considered outrageous, uh, over the top. Um, I think the word hater comes up a lot with me. And then it gets proven right, and then you guys have nothing else to say. That's what happens with me. So overall, I've been telling you guys forever, Russell Westbrook was overrated. I think Russell Westbrook, and this is how I describe Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook plays harder than anybody in the history of basketball. I can watch Russell Westbrook and be in complete awe of how he's playing and at the same time understand that that's exactly the reason why he'll never win anything. So I think Russell Westbrook... I'll, Jared, if I if I asked you right now, John ja Morant next year or Russell Westbrook, who are you taking? I'll take Ja. Not now. Here's the deal: you're at, because of contract and everything. I take Ja. If you're asking a player, I would still probably take Westbrook for a season. Then probably two years from now, I take Ja. Okay. Yeah. So right now, if you were to redraft Westbrook, he wouldn't go top two in the draft. So I think that's where we are right now with Russell Russell Westbrook. And the one person who is getting a pass in all of this is Paul George. I know he's somewhat injured, but. Thank God for Paul George he's not in L.A. Because if he was in L.A. right now and he was playing the way Paul George is playing, do you know how much blame he would get playing next to LeBron? I think he made the absolute right choice. I've been telling you guys this for forever about Paul George as well. Paul George is not that guy. I did not want Paul George. He was playing great earlier this season, but he came back to the mean. I think Paul George is in the perfect situation because Russell Westbrook isn't liked. He's going to be the one that gets blamed, and Paul George gets to go – Scott Free, even though I've been telling you guys forever, Paul George is not that guy either. So when you get a team full of two not that guys, you're going to end up with not that team. Um, and that's pretty much where it stands with Russell Westbrook. Now, as far as your statement about LeBron, Jared, I've been telling you this about LeBron forever. He's been dominating the East, and I told you the West is a different animal. And so now you're getting to see it. That nothing to do with his first time having an injury. 
Okay. Well, next time, you know, he'll be probably more than one game up or over 500 and actually play the tough teams on the schedule. What? How? What? <laughs> but, Jeremy, I mean, clearly, uh, I don't believe it. I, th- I think LeBron got injured. He wasn't the same player when he came back. But I wanted to, to dive into some LeBron talk. Let's get into to, to what I really want to hear. Um. I'm, I'm, D, I'm sorry, I got, I got to skip you on this and, and go to the question. Jeremy, we got number one seeds in the playoffs that got some tough series in the next round. Me and you and me and Damon already got bets on Milwaukee versus Boston. And we got Houston versus Golden State. Which one of the teams has a bigger threat? Is it Golden State playing versus Houston or is it Boston playing versus Milwaukee? I think it's very outrageously, overwhelmingly, completely – Boston over Milwaukee. And I think it's going to be a tough series. I think it's probably going to go seven games, and my money's going to go on Kyrie Irving. Um, and I think what you guys have to ask yourself is this. Is Milwaukee's adding a coach more important than the Celtics adding a superstar? And I'm going to tell you no. Um, the one difference I would say in this series from last year, neither team could win a game on the road. Um, and Milwaukee has home court in this series as opposed to last year when it was the Celtics. But I'm still not concerned. I think the Celtics are going to win this series. I watched the games they played this year. Uh, Milwaukee won two. Uh, the Celtics won one. But the last game they played in, it was in Milwaukee, and Kyrie got fouled on the last second shot with one second left, and they didn't call it. And the referee in their two-minute report said he should have gone to the free throw line to shoot two free throws, which Kyrie in his career in the last five seconds – of regulation or in overtime is 56 out of 60. So um, I think it's pretty fair to say that they would have probably won that game had they called the right call. Um, I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Milwaukee to defend. I saw Milwaukee give up a lot of open shots to the to the Pistons, and I don't think that's going to necessarily work against the Celtics. The Celtics don't have anybody who can stop Giannis, but the Celtics are very, very good at closing out on the three. I think they're going to take the strategy of, okay, Giannis, you go. You're going to do what you do, but I'm not letting anybody else beat me. And if Giannis scores 60, that's fine. Who's going to give me the other 40? Um, I don't think Chris Middleton has been proven yet in this situation. I don't think Eric Bledsoe has been proven in this situation. And I look forward to seeing who's going to try to hold on to Kyrie because Kyrie is going to go bonkers and destroy everybody. So good luck. Well, here, here's what I will tell you. If there's a team that's set up to beat the Celtics, it's the, it's, it's the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'll tell you why. Uh, one, length, they go to – ain't that Golden State. I keep thinking Golden State, but Boston. Boston's advantage over most teams is the fact that they're super athletic and they're super long at the wing position. They got Jalen Brown, and they got Jason Tatum, and they got Gordon Hayward, and they got Marcus Morris, and they got, they got all these guys that play a similar role, and so they can consistently rotate guys in and out that have length and can hit a jump shot and you have to guard and can play some legitimate defense. Problem is, so does Milwaukee. Milwaukee has Giannis and they have Chris Middleton and they have Tony Snell and they have Malcolm Brogdon and they have guys that can come in and Brogdon uh, in all likelihood what they say is going to be back for round two. They're that Brogdon, I think is, is the, the sneaky player there because he's giving you close to 20 points a game. He's an elite defender. Um, and he's one of the, uh, the only players that has gone, and, and any any season gone 50% from the field, 40% from the three-point line, and 90% from the free throw line, plus being an excellent defender. So in my opinion right now, I think 
Milwaukee's going to give the Celtics a very, very convincing win in the series. I think I think Milwaukee wins that series in six games. And I got the Rockets actually upsetting Golden State. So my answer is going to be Golden State's in more trouble. The reason I think that is, is one, I think Golden State isn't nearly as good as they were last year because I don't think they're nearly as hungry. I, you can evidence that by the fact they had four games at home this year. They lost by over 25 points. And I think some of that has to do with them being bored. But I think some of that has to do with their fact that they've lost some, some defensive intensity. And when they play a team like the Clippers, who has nobody that can really get their own basket besides Lou Williams, who doesn't come into the game until they're already down, I think that's the reason why they've been able to dominate that series. And I think the other part of it is, and some people may think of this as, as a raw opinion, but I think this is a, the perfect thought. James Harden hasn't been good for the first four games of the playoffs. And they're still 3-1 and one on, on a good Utah team. I think James Harden is not going to stay down for long. I think it's it's almost like when you're at the blackjack table and you get four bad hands, you know what you do? You take your money and you put – you put five hundred on uh, on the next hand, and now you know what you do. You get a, you get an ace and a king, and you go ahead and win. I think right now, when you have Harden, who's not playing that well, it's only a certain matter of time before he's gonna get going. And I think Harden's gonna get it going next series, and they're gonna beat Golden State. And I got Milwaukee as I already have the hundred dollars total with you and Damon. I got Milwaukee beating the Celtics in five or six games convincingly. I got a Rockets Bucks finals. So, so just to make sure we're clear, what do I have as far as that? Two fifty, I plus two fifty on this series. No, you don't have to plus two fifty. What was it? We well, I definitely that. had odds. This was not a straight up bet. This is a straight up bet. We had plus two fifty when you were talking about first round. Oh, no, 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 no. Bucks versus Celtics. We bet straight up last podcast. We weren't going – I wouldn't give you odds versus the Celtics. It was odds when you said the Heat or the Nets would beat the Bucks in the first round. It doesn't really matter. The Celtics are going to win regardless, but I, I could have swore I had some odds. Anyway. Uh, no, you, you can listen to the podcast. Y'all both said that y'all – Damon was the first one that said, I'll take 50 on the Celtics. And then you said, I'll take 50 on it too. And I said, I'll take both of them, B-O-F-U-M. That was that's the fine. way the conversation was going to win. I just thought I was getting paid more than what I'm actually getting paid. So that's cool. As far as the Rockets, the Rockets have absolutely no shot. Uh, Steph Curry has been, is, and will continue to be the best player in basketball. And they're going to win the title pretty easily. So um, there's that. Uh, I think whoever wins the Bucks in Celtics series, which I think will be the Celtics, even though I think it'll be very competitive, is going to win the East. And they'll give the the... Uh, Warriors, their toughest series so far. Um, I don't think the Rocket series is going past five games, to be 100% honest with you. So I'm not thinking that series is going to be competitive. All right, guys, as always, we'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in this week. We appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure you share, tell your friends, and also follow us on all social media. Uh, Instagram, we're on uh, Amibros underscore podcast, right, guys? Amibros underscore podcast, yep. Uh, so we appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll highlight you next week. We out. <laughs>